Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This guy is a machine. All he does is work out and pick winners. Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down by 12. They're on the 45-yard line with no timeouts. Oregon's got an all-American field goal kicker. Why didn't somebody tell me? Chicago sports betting. Touchdown, Ohio State. There are some folks who are celebrating and others who are saying, you've got to be kidding. You kind of know what I'm thinking about. Over or under? Under would be the key word. Bet with an edge. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. He even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they used on college basketball courts, you know? Early odds with Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine is very smart, said I've been very lucky with gambling. I've never won. Welcome into Early Odds here on 670 The Score. I'm Rick Camp in for Joe Ostrowski, who has the week off here with you for the next hour to talk about sports betting here in Chicago before inside the clubhouse at the top of the next hour. Got a really busy show planned in just a minute. Going to speak with Connor Allen from 4 for 4 and Betspurts. Alex Christensen, of course, anytime I'm on here and want to talk about the NBA, Noops is the guy that I go to. And, of course, Jim Miller from Hawthorne to find out what's going on at Hawthorne. And I know he's got some second-half MLB thoughts as well. But we are less than... Two weeks, two weeks from training camp opening for the Bears. And I'll be honest, it snuck up on me. So it's time to get some bets in. And that's why I go to my guy, Connor Allen. He's a sports betting manager for four for four and bet spurts. If you're not subscribed to the Move the Line podcast, you should be because there's great info on there every single week. Ton of preview content right now. So, uh, Connor, I appreciate you joining me. Almost, it seems like almost always whenever I'm on a Whenever I'm on here and, you know, hey, last time I mentioned it when I hosted uh, early odds that we had all this, you know, who are the Bears going to trade the number one pick content ready for? And it was pre-recorded and it was all set. And then after we recorded, the trade to Carolina happened. So people didn't hear it, but we totally nailed it. Yeah, we I think we <laughs> we talked about Carolina being like the primary contender to, to trade for the number one overall pick. That obviously happened. So major shout out to us on that one. But no one was there to listen uh, to confirm that. And I'm excited to come back on again because last year I went on the show with Joe O and uh, I was a bit of a downer on the Bears. I talked about them having the worst record, talked about the under on their win total. And I got a lot of backlash from Bears fans and it was not a good offseason. But you know, came true. And this year, I think I'm here to inspire a little bit more hope in the Bears. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit more excited than I think some of the other mainstream analysts are. Nice. I know looking at the, especially division odds of something been something that I've been keeping my eye on in relation to the NFC North and pretty much wherever you look, it's the Lions, a little bit of space, the Vikings, a little bit of space, and then Bears and Packers are very close to each other, if not the same odds uh, at this point in time. So as you look at just what the NFC North looks like in general, and we'll, you know, we'll get to the Bears more specifically, what are the Bears' chances, and how are you at least at this point in time before camps open really looking at this division? Yeah, this division is tough. I think it's a little bit closer than people are projecting right now. The Lions are the favorites, as you mentioned. And I think that they're a little bit overrated compared to where they should be. They obviously picked up two corners in free agency after having a struggling defensively, especially in their secondary last year. But I'm still a little bit weary of uh, Jared Goff 
in terms of his, his quarterback play. He's basically a sum of his parts quarterback. Jamison Williams is going to be suspended for the first six games with a, uh, you know, gambling issues there. And I'm really just kind of struggling to see them as like the true favorite there. Whereas the Vikings have plenty of offensive firepower in, you know, the second spot, they lost a bunch of players offensively. So they're going to be in a ton of shootouts. Whereas the bears have a lot of moving pieces, uh, potentially trending upwards, potentially trending downwards. I think that there's, they have a very wide range of outcomes here. So you're looking at them plus 420 to potentially win the division. I mean, I think you can do far worse in terms of betting because if Justin Fields takes that next step forward, they're squarely in play to win this division. Doesn't it feel like that? And obviously, it's going to depend on how totals are released and whatever. This is just an over division in terms of game to game, because like you look at any rankings out there of like you know, just the defensive side of the ball, like these are not good defenses generally in this division. Because you mentioned Minnesota losing people, and then also there's like still holding on a little bit to they, they still have some of the old guys from when their defense was actually good. The Packers have talent, but it seems like. Is anyone going to trust Joe Barry like ever? And then, you know, the Bears, obviously they had to add an influx of talent because they literally couldn't not do it if they tried. And then Detroit, it just feels like their offense is going to be so high powered that the defense is going to be on the field long enough that like this def- this division could be great for viewing purposes because it sure feels like there's going to be not much defense and a lot of potential offense in it. Yeah, every game is going to be winnable for basically every team. So for the first time in, I don't even know, maybe my lifetime, the NFC North is going to be fun uh, because normally (laughs) it's a lot of boring, you know, running the ball, good defense, uh, some cold games in Green Bay and Chicago. We still are going to get that, but I think we're going to see a little bit more fun here with just how bad the defenses are. And specifically on the Bears point, you know, I think that Kyler Gordon is good. Jalen Johnson are fine, but I wouldn't say that they're fantastic corners. Like their secondary still has plenty of holes. Their defensive line still has some issues because their signings were like off-ball linebackers. They signed two of the best, don't get me wrong, two amazing linebackers. But they're not quite exactly how most people have strategized in terms of defensive building, whereas like elite corners, pass rush has generally been the focus of defenses, whereas the Bears are kind of beefing up their linebacker core, their safeties are good as well. So I don't think I think they're going to be good. They certainly are not going to be as bad as they were last year in terms of like they were bottom five by the end of the year, basically every single metric. Like I think this year they're probably going to be like a middle of the pack to maybe that 15 to 20 range defensively. So sounding as optimistic as as you seem to be, at least to the potential of the Bears having upside, what is it just a Justin Fields leap or is there more to it? You mentioned defensive progress. Is there more to it? offensively to where they can really progress to give them a chance at, you know, whether it's the division or at least like sniffing what the playoffs could look like. It's interesting because Justin Fields as a prospect was a fantastic passer out of Ohio state. He was good. He read read through his progressions easily. He was accurate. And those are things that we've just not seen at all on the professional level. And so I kind of think about why could that be? And for me, I think it's a mistrust of his offensive line, mistrust of his wide receivers, because if we look at last year, he was one of the worst quarterbacks at how often he threw to open players and how accurate those throws were. But his wide receivers were getting open like pretty much middle of the pack rate. But I think if we go back and watch the games, you see that he's not going through his reads because he knows that he's going to get pressured or he knows that, you know, whatever bomb wide receivers they were rolling out uh, besides Darnell Mooney were just not getting open. Like they were not cutting it. Now you had DJ Moore, one of the best separators in the game, Chase Claypool with a full offseason to learn the playbook, hopefully can make an impact as well. I think they're in a good spot here where it's almost an hour never for Justin Fields. If he's not going to be a good passer this year, I don't know how long this experiment lasts, but if he can be, I think on top of his dynamic rushing ability, I mean, the Bears offense could be electric. So I'm excited uh, from that aspect. And I think it just provides like a really wide range of outcomes that you're going to get either like the bare minimum is going to be what you saw last year. A lot of running, inconsistent passing, but the upside of if they can put the pass game together combined with his rushing ability, uh, I mean, could be fantastic viewing for sure. In the NFC, a lot of teams are like the Bears where it's just quarterback questions all over the place versus the AFC where you, it seems like it's just so slanted in terms of where all the top quarterbacks are for you, as you evaluate both conferences, how does the disparity in quarterback play change your process in terms of how you look at where value could come from in the AFC versus the NFC? 
Yeah, so I think that there's some interesting markets with the AFC and NFC relating to to make the playoffs because only seven teams can make the playoffs here. And you're looking at the AFC, Chiefs, Bills, Dolphins, Jets, Chargers, Bengals, Ravens, Jags, and the Browns. I mean, these are nine top-tier teams. Uh, what I would consider, you know, nine of maybe the top 12 or 15 teams in the league are all in the AFC, whereas in the NFC, uh, you're looking at basically the Eagles, Niners, and Cowboys as the cream of the crop. And after that, I think you can make a legitimate case for seven to eight other teams to make the playoffs. The Bears included. Like, they're the back end of that range there with, like, the Packers uh, of potential teams to make the playoffs. So when you're looking at the betting market specifically, I'm far more likely to bet a yes on an NFC team to make the playoffs than an AFC team because it's just so much harder for an AFC team to make the playoffs. You're going to get one or two divisions that are just one, basically a one division team to make the playoffs there, especially like the Jags division, you know, where you have the Colts, the Texans, the Jags, like only one team is going to make the playoffs, the Titans there. So whereas like the NFC, I mean, we, we just don't know Like, there's so much more volatility there. Yeah. The NFC, the NFC South, it's like, you look at the, <laughs> just the situations there. It's like, I know bears fans are like, Hey, you know, getting this Carolina pick, that could be another top five, top 10 pick. It's like, I don't know, man, those teams in that division are just so, if you want to just straight say bad, cool, but so like, they're going to have such a range of outcomes where it's like, they could win that division feasibly and it wouldn't be the most shocking thing we've seen recently. No, because the Saints are so average. The Falcons are, I mean, they outperformed everything last year. Their defensive metrics were like bottom three in basically everything, but they ran the ball so well and like held on to the ball that their defense just didn't have to be on the field ever. And then the Bucks this year, though, could be just an outright disaster with Baker Mayfield, bad offensive line play, and uh, I mean, I would say average defense. So it's, it's really a division that I think is up for grabs. I am a little bit lower on the Panthers, though. Uh, then I think I think you are just because I really think Adam Thielen and DJ Chark, two of their key additions offensively, are extremely overrated at this point in their careers. So it's going to be basically just have to be the Bryce Young show in order for them to see any progress uh, in terms of their wins. I remember last year, I believe it was one of your bets over at four for four uh, was feeling over receptions and it like eked by the last week of the year, even yep. though he was dust all year which just shows like how good of a bet it was that almost everything went wrong and he was still able to go over it yeah i mean he's complete dust and he played full 17 games and he barely got over the prop so that was i mean maybe one of the luckier bets i feel like to come through because <laughs> if he missed even one or two games there's no, no shot he was getting any overs no so okay on that note what are some things that you've identified so far this off season uh, before getting into training camps? And there's a lot to be hashed out there that some things that you are already on, or at least situations that you are closely monitoring and are likely to have a bet on. Yeah. So I think one of my favorite ways to approach the off season market is player props. And so I did some research on season long player props, which is basically an over or under for a player stats for a full season. So for example, for all you Bears fans out there, Justin Fields over under is 2,775 passing yards a season. Uh, and if we look at the last two seasons of props, just blind betting the under on those, this is over 600 props in the sample has hit at a 63% rate in 2021 and a 60% rate in 2022. So, wow. and yeah, and the reason for that is because you think about it, how many outs there are for an under than an over, say a player gets injured, say the offense stinks, the offensive line gets injured or they get benched. You know I mean? There's so many different ways where a player doesn't play the full season, or if they do, they just aren't that efficient. So that's generally like a lot of my bets early on so far in this offseason have skewed towards unders uh, just because of the data. That's really interesting. So who are some of either the individuals, if you want to give out specific bets that you've already put out for subscribers at four for four and bet spurts, or just like, hey, I'm I'm a little leery about this team or I'm really in on this team. So I've looked at this. Yeah, so one that I just played that I really like is Dak Prescott under his passing yards. It's about 4,000 passing yards right now. Look, now, I think Dak is a good player. Our projection has him at 3,785, but the key here is they fired their offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, who is playing at like a rapid play pace the last few years. The Cowboys with him have been top five in plays per game for the last four years. They've also been top 10 in no huddle rate. Now we have Mike McCarthy taking over the offense. He's basically said, I want to protect my defense. I want to slow the game down. I want to run the ball. So play volume is going to go way, way down in terms of that, which means the pass attempts are going to go down and that maybe he's still efficient, but we have Brandon Cooks now coming in who turns 30 in September. Didn't look to be, you know, top of shape last year. Michael Gallup looked horrible coming off his surgery last year as well. So 
I think CD Lamb is good. They lost Dalton Schultz, but I mean, you can't pass for 4,000 yards on a CD Lamb led led offense there with very little volume, and their defense is fantastic. So, like, they're not going to be forced in a lot of shootouts. They're going to be running the ball a ton, slow pace. So, for me, this screams under on a guy like Dak Prescott. And one other one we already mentioned him, but Adam Thielen's under on the Panthers. His yards per route run, which is a pretty good indicator of how, you know, basically how often the player gets open when they are on the field, has decreased in six straight seasons. Uh, and he's been one of the worst route runners against man last season. So, I mean, he's cooked his over under right now. You're looking at uh, like mid 550. I, I don't even think he touches 500. I think he could potentially get like benched by the end of the year, just be like a veteran, I guess, voice in the locker room. And so a thing with, with Dak that I, I found funny, it, and for one, it's a great point of their defense is awesome. They're not going to be forced into shootouts. Like we were mentioning, maybe with teams in the NFC North where those could pray we actually get like fun like high scoring games in the <laughs> nfc north but my favorite note that i saw recently is like yeah mike mccarthy kind of a kind of a football boomer but he hired more analytics people just like when he had his sabbatical where <laughs> he was all into analytics and everything and now it's nope got to protect that defense okay cool that's it, just whatever. Yeah. Now, some it, people have also talked about that too. Like some analytics people have spoken out and said mm-hmm. like, Hey, I don't think that you guys understand like what these people do. Like basically they just like do projects like most of the time. Mm-hmm. So like the coach would be like, Hey, like how can we do this better? And they'll give them a project. They research and bring back the coach. It's not always like guy in the headset, you know, man in the computer or anything like that. It, there's, there's other layers. So it's kind of like, even though he is, you know, whatever, quote unquote, hiring anal- analytics people who apparently are good, it doesn't mean that they're going to be like suddenly a super pass heavy team or anything on that end. So yeah, I think that there's, there's a lot of layers to that specifically. So with training camp a couple of weeks away, what are a few either like position battles or at least teams you're interested to hear some of the initial stuff that is coming out of them just to get a better idea of what they're going to be on either side of the ball or in terms of like a specific positional group that you've got your eye on. Yeah. One team that I'm really interested to see what they do is the Indianapolis Colts with Anthony Richardson. Uh, They have Gardner Minshew, but basically all the early word out of, out of uh, the GM and the coach was saying like, Oh, Anthony Richardson is going to start. He needs to be on the field, but now they're kind of walking back a little bit. Maybe they saw him play a little more. I don't know, but they're kind of walking it back. And saying like, oh, well, Gardner's probably the better starter for now, but he needs, you know, Anthony Richardson needs to get in the field to be healthy. But it's at the end of the day, it's going to be Shane Steichen's call, the new coach uh, from Philadelphia, the OC there. Now, there's a lot to like about what they did in terms of Shane Steichen worked with Jalen Hurts, a guy who was not necessarily a complete passer at the time, elevated him. But there, that parallel to me is so flawed in so many different ways because the Indianapolis Colts offensive line is nowhere near the Philadelphia Eagles. The Indianapolis Colts also do not have an A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith type. They have Michael Pittman, who is fine, and I think he's you know a good player, but I wouldn't just say he's a rock-solid number one wide receiver. So this is a team where I'm pretty worried about this team uh, You know, in year one. I think Anthony Richardson's upside could be fantastic. He could be awesome in years two, three. But we said the same thing about Josh Allen. Josh Allen as a rookie was downright awful, like 51% completion rate, throwing picks left and right was not good until he got a better offensive line, Stefan Diggs, and a better offensive coordinator. So, like, none of that exists for Anthony Richardson right now. So that's this is a team that I'm, I'm watching massively. It could be fading early on in the season. Follow him on Twitter, at Connor Allen NFL. He's the sports betting manager at 4 for 4 and BetSports. And if you're not listening to the Move the Lion podcast, you need to rectify that. Subscribe, rate, review, all that stuff. Connor, I'm, I'm obviously biased as a fellow 4 for 4 person, but – Enjoy the work you've been doing, all the work that we've got up on the site, and people should subscribe if they are serious about their fantasy football content and their sports betting content. So I appreciate you making time for me. Rick, really appreciate you having me on. No better time to talk some football. All right, that is Connor Allen. When we come back, another guy that I used to work with at 4 for 4, who's still a great basketball betting mind out there that I love talking to, Alex Christensen. You may know him as Noops. We'll talk about some of the NBA markets that have popped. And don't forget that at the end of the show, before Inside the Clubhouse, I'm going to speak with Jim Miller from Hawthorne Racecourse. All of that. 
before the top of the hour on the score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to Early Odds here on 670 Score. I'm recamping for Joe Ostrowski. Joe should be back next week. A reminder that Inside the Clubhouse starts at the top of the hour. Last segment went over a lot of stuff leading into NFL training camps. And I understand Summer League is wrapping up. And the Bulls did their thing. Dale and Terry's. mm, There's plenty of questions to be had there. But markets are opening up for next NBA season. I can't wait. I'm excited. to. There's win totals out, divisions, awards. Like almost everything is there which is why I wanted to talk to one of my favorite people to, to chop it up about basketball with Alex Christensen. You follow him on Twitter at underscore noops, NBA tennis analyst, bet us. It's where you find a lot of his work. It's, it's been a minute, but it's good to talk to you. And we got some fresh markets out there. So I'm pumped, man. It's always a pleasure, Rick. I love listening to your work on the on fat podcast, but it's even more fun to talk basketball the NBA, it just never stops. We go right from the finals into the draft, into summer league. And now thanks to a couple of our favorite sports books here, we've got win totals, division odds. So let's get into it and see what we've got for some early thoughts. Well, let's just start locally with the Bulls. The Bulls, you know, win total that's posted. I see a 37 and a half at minus 110. And I see a 38 and a half that's juiced a little bit over the, to the over uh, just overall, I know the Bulls didn't do much this offseason. What are your thoughts on kind of where they're at and just more generically how you're viewing them going into next season? It was a tough season for me as a bull lever, if you will. Um, okay. Bet the regular season win total over last year and just it seemed like a team that really couldn't put it together until that final month of the season. But is that the team we're going to see coming into next year? Like you said, not too many changes other than You know, it seems like we're really just not going to have any more Lonzo Ball. Let's just assume that he's out. But you've still got Caruso, DeRozan, Zach Levine. I still like what Andre Drummond was able to do. I know everybody rolled their eyes at Nikola Vucevic, but $20 million a year for three years, something in that range, that's not a bad contract in any way, shape, or form. Patrick Williams, again, hopefully will take a step forward. I like the addition of Torrey Craig, Javon Carter. Those are kind of fun guys. I don't mind moving Patrick Beverly and some of those other guys out, but You look at the landscape, it feels a lot like the team that you had last year. The Eastern Conference in general feels like it's it's gotten better. Um, You start to look basically all the teams at the top. No reason to think that Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, Cleveland, 
New York won't be good again. The Nets will be different, but very competitive. The Hawks should be a little bit better. We saw what the Heat were able to do. Um, not sure what's going to happen with the Raptors, but the Pacers should be better. We're expecting teams like Orlando and Detroit to come up. So as you start to make that list, it feels like you guys are a candidate for the play-in again, which you look at this win total here. Like you said, it's opened right around 37 and a half. That looks a touch low to me. You look at some of the numbers last year, your um, regular season win total last year was 41 and a half. You guys won 40 games. If you look at Pythag, should have been closer to 44, 45. So you take kind of that same team, roll it over. I think I would adjust it down a bit for how much better the East has gotten, but there's probably some value here on this over. We'll wait and see what the schedule looks like, but I expect to have them closer to 39. That's interesting, too. It, what's interesting about them getting to 40 wins, too, was also, and I mentioned this on Twitter at Rick C. Camp and, and said I'd mention it on the show today, is outside, you know, there was so much thought on Lonzo because it wasn't expected for him to miss the entire year. Outside of him, everybody was pretty healthy. Like, you got 82 out of Patrick Williams and Vooch. You got, what was it, mid-70s out of... DeRozan and 60s out of Levine or maybe you swap those two but like the important dudes played outside of Lonzo Ball and he's not going to be there this year so it is interesting to look at at what they're going to be and you mentioned a couple of the teams that I find interesting that were below the Bulls that are you know the Bulls are all about raising the floor well the, the East is raising the floor this year and especially with a draft that is so starkly different from the one we just had coming up that there are going to be teams that are going to be kind of tanking throughout the year, but nowhere near as many as this past year and probably not as hard tanking as they were this past year. So even your Detroit's probably aren't going to be, not going to be good, but they might be a little more feisty, but you look at like Indiana and Orlando as two teams that have some young talent. Those are teams that like worry me if I'm, if I'm trying to do the musical chairs thing and see can the Bulls find their way into the playoffs, man, I don't even like there's a non-zero chance they don't even make the play in just because these other teams are going to be in all likelihood taking steps forward. Yeah, I love what you said about tanking. I think that, um, you know, coming to last season, everybody had this long list of teams. It turned out there wasn't that many, but you still had four or five teams, especially towards the end of the season, were actively not trying, but We've had so many of those teams now that it's finally time for them to try to win games. Like you said, Detroit, I didn't expect them to tank last year, but once Kate Cunningham gets hurt, obviously that makes sense. Expect him to be healthy this year. That should be a young team trying to win games and step forward. Orlando was a team that didn't tank last year. I actually like the way that they look the second half of the year. Now, Washington, really, that team's going to be tough. I don't know if it's going to be as bad as everyone expects. I think there's a small chance that they're a little bit like Utah last year where they tear that team down. Everyone thinks it's going to be terrible, but they have enough guys to keep it together. We'll see what happens there. Charlotte, I, they just stink. That's one of the worst basketball teams I've ever seen. They're awful. They don't have to tank. But again, you look at really one, maybe two teams in the East. You come over to the West. The Spurs aren't going to tank. The Rockets aren't going to tank. Portland maybe will tank a little bit, but that's pretty much it. I mean, coming into a season, I can't think of the last time we had so few teams that actively would be to their advantage to lose games. Yeah, it's really interesting. So with that said, and we mentioned, you know, win totals and just who's a team that you might you might not even know exactly how you want to bet them yet, but that you're, you're fairly into and are going to try and find ways to bet whether it ends up being game to game in season or a player for an award or them to do do just do something, whether it's over the win total, win division, whatever. I'll go back to the Charlotte Hornets. Um, this is a win total I might actually bet. Generally, I don't attack this market until I have a schedule in front of me and have some time. But there were a 27-win team last year. Uh, not too much in the way of major injuries. I know Ball missed some time, but played a good chunk of the season. I'm looking at a win total here of 31 and a half. I don't really understand why this team is four, four and a half wins better. I mean, they've got Brandon Miller. Uh, Miles Bridges looks like he'll be back to play, but um, lose some real steady guys in, in Dennis Smith Jr., Kelly Oubre, who gave them really solid minutes last year. And just I look up and down the roster at what's left here. This is a bad basketball team. It is not good. I mean, uh, if LaMelo Ball, and I'm sorry if I said Lonzo at first, if LaMelo plays really good, maybe it's fun, but James Booknight looks like that was a complete waste of a top 10 pick. Gordon Hayward looks just worse and worse every single year. Kai Jones hasn't advanced in any way. They've got the wrong Martin. 
Terry Rozier, I think um, it was either him or Fred Van Vliet that was the least efficient offensive player in the NBA last year. And it's just a bad team. I mean, I don't even know what they're going to do here from a center perspective. It's going to be a lot of Mark Williams and God forbid JT Thor. So uh, the first team that I'm looking at in, in that market, I'll, I'll take the Hornets under 31 and a half right now for a small chunk and take some more a little bit later. And curious to see how their lines look early in the season, but uh, this is a team that I'll definitely be betting against, trying to bet a lot of alt spreads against because I think this is going to be ugly early. Yeah, I agree. Although, shout out to Mark Williams' double doubles last year. That was that was a solid prop once they started playing him a little bit. Uh, we both love awards markets, and I know we're in a in the same group chat where awards are very prominent and they're fun to talk about. And even before we got on here, we talked about how a lot of these awards are pretty kind of cut and dry in terms of what you're looking for and i know it's early and i know it's very minutiae but it's also very me so i'm, I'm gonna ask about it you know we kind of know who's gonna be there for mvp rookie of the year still a pretty good idea it at least feels like defensive player of the year is generally people that are right up there except for like the marcus smart thing which still feels like a weird outlier most improved player is always fun because it's a little you have an idea of what you're looking for but sometimes there's a little bit of interpretation there. Uh, is there anything you're th that sticks out to you, I guess, awards-wise in general, but especially with most improved, because that's something that like I've done probably the most work on of any award so far. Yeah, quickly on a couple of the other ones. MVP, I've actually been betting some Jokic. Any chance I have at 500 or better, that number is yeah. only going to get lower. And, and now that he took a break and can't win three in a row, he's going to be one of the guys in a very small conversation. Rookie of the year, um, you know, hopefully you got some Chet Holmgren when this opened, a little bit of Scoot Henderson when this opened. Both of them were 500 or better. I'm looking at 350, 400, probably right where they should be. I'm excited to see if maybe one of the Thompson twins or you know, one of the guards a little further down the board here can pop early because uh, although Webinyama should be the favorite at minus 130, he's not going to play a full load this year, folks. I don't, I don't know if he's going to play enough games to really garner the attention he needs. And if someone down the board can pop a little bit, it could be very interesting, kind of like a Brogdon and Bede situation, if you will, a handful of years back. But most improved player, this is one of my favorite awards because, like you said, Rick, it's hard to sort of figure this out. I mean, in general, voting comes down to the way the media members feel because that's who votes on this stuff. And as you start to look back at this particular award, there are a few things that you can see and a few things you want to focus on in terms of most improved. Nobody ever wins in their first or second year, so you can throw all those guys out. Number one pick doesn't win. John Morant, I, I think, is the only number two pick to win, definitely in the last oh, 10, 12 years. In um, Ingram was, but he had switched teams, so that changes things. Yeah, that's that's a good point, too. So you want to look for that. You want to look for somebody that's an all-star and just simply someone that adds to their counting stats. At the end of the day, we've got a ton of advanced analytics, but if you can increase your points per game, five or six, you can increase your rebounds and assist one or two, you're going to be on the short list. You're going to get a lot of consideration. So... As I look down the board, I don't know if someone like Shaden Sharp is going to be good enough to make the all-star game, but if Dame Willard really moves out there, 22 to 1 is going to be a high number. He's going to have a chance to put up a lot of points on a team that I think could still be competitive with Scoot Henderson. Curious to see what he does. And then the other name I like here, Tyus Jones, um, somebody who really was a big player for the Memphis Grizzlies and really carried that team when Morant wasn't playing. Goes over to Washington, and as I mentioned a little bit earlier, that Washington team isn't going to be horrid. It's not going to be good, but you've got Tyus Jones, you've got Poole, you've got Kuzma, you've got a few other guys there that you can kind of fill, and you might be able to get eight, nine NBA-quality guys together. Tyus Jones could be someone, you know, high teens, low 20s in points, averaging around eight assists per game, a couple steals, and that name could really pop. So I like both of those names, and I think Tyus Jones, and I'm looking at 22 to 1 here, is probably my favorite number on the board. So you mentioned a short number for Jokic, just in general with, with awards especially because there's such a range in terms of prices this time of year when we're this far out do you tend to look more for long shots or are you just like hey values value at this moment in time and i'm gonna roll with it it's all about trying to build a portfolio so my thought process is looking in which of these numbers are only going to get lower how can i take an opportunity to accrue some value on this position and if you think again about nba mvp last year uh, you could have been in a position where you had Jokic and Embiid and even a little Giannis it's some really nice fat plus numbers and you didn't really care who won towards the end and that's kind of a goal with a lot of these so I do I try to look a little further down the board 
MVP a little bit different, but again, the idea is whether it be Jokic at plus 500 or somebody like Tyus Jones at 22 to 1, I only expect that number to go down. I don't think we're going to get another chance to bet it this high, so I'll accrue some now and worry about it later. Can I throw some uh, most improved names at you? Please. Okay. Couple that I'm looking at that aren't necessarily like favorites. Just I, I'm looking a little little longer there. I think Scotty Barnes best number best number I'm seeing is 22 to one, especially if Siakam gets moved. That's one where he's just going to handle the ball so much. Even if OGN and Obi is getting up a lot more shots, the offense is still going to suck. But he's probably going to get his. The only thing that worries me is this is points per game going to be enough. That's one. Uh, Franz Wagner is at 40. And considering if Orlando's going to make a jump, it's not just going to be Paolo. And they still are kind of iffy on their shooting to where he's pretty much their second dude still. So second dudes can win this. Like if, if Paolo has a good year or even if, Hey, like a lot of the second year guys last year, maybe takes a little step back. Franz steps up. I think he at least has the opportunity. Like the number should probably be, it's not too far off of where it should be with Paolo being there, but I think that one's interesting. And my my long shot one right now requires injury to happen, but considering the team, it's likely. Trey Murphy is 80 to 1. And Trey Murphy is a really, really good basketball player that just needs a Zion or Brandon Ingram injury to be able to really get some usage. After the all-star break last year, like I think on the season. Once Zion went out, he averaged just under like 16 points a game. It was like 16, three and one on 49, 40, 90 shooting. After the all-star break, he was around like 18 and change scoring wise. So that's a loaded team with a lot of mouths to feed. But if one of those two guys goes out for an extended period of time, which tends to happen, Trey Murphy is thought of highly throughout the league to where he's like one of those guys where he's not even put in discussions anymore. So if he gets a chance, I think that's a guy at that type of number that I I I really like and it's I don't try I try not to do too much just bet on the talent, but he's kind of a just bet on the talent guy. Yeah, I'll start with Barnes here. I like what you're thinking there. He's going to be someone that sees a huge pickup in usage, but I worry about this team. I mean, they, they lose Fred VanVleet on a team of guys that they barely had eight guys that could even play last year. Now they're down to seven. Uh, again, you've got Precious, OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes, Boucher, Malachi Flynn, Jakob Pertl still there. If Siakam goes and Gary Trent continues to be as injured as he was, I don't know if there's enough here for that team to be good. Love the Franz Wagner look at, at 35 to 1. I think you're right. Um, Bancaro, given that he's the number one pick, again, you could sort of cross him off. And as a second year player, that's a double cross off. So who's on the magic is going to be a lot of fun. I think that's a really great pick. And you know, Trey Murphy, again, my only concern there is probably not an all-star, but I love what you're talking about. He's someone – you can't listen to the low post without hearing Trey Murphy's name at this point. He is, it seems like every podcast, whether they're talking about the Pelicans or not, his name gets brought up. So 80-1, to 1, that's a really nice flyer. So I'll pass on Scotty, but probably join on Franz and Trey. Nice. All right. Before I let you go, and I appreciate your time as always, the in-season tournament got announced. There are odds for it. The groups are there. I have no idea how to bet it, but the there's I think there's a couple fun flyers. I kind of want to, you know, go and basically attack the weakest looking group in each conference and and maybe throw a, throw a team that's in the middle of it. I like OKC. They're in with Sacramento, Golden State, Minnesota, and San Antonio. And considering this is going to be all these games, especially group play, is going to be in November. Okay, Golden State, they're probably how much are they really going to care that much early in the season? Minnesota, who the hell knows? Sacramento, okay, but they're they're they've got their flaws and catching San Antonio earlier in the season is probably not a bad thing. And then on the east side, it where was I looking? I think Indiana was where I was looking just because Philly, who knows what they end up being? Cleveland, like they have solid but not great teams to where it's like how do they advance out of the group stage here with philly cleveland atlanta and detroit in their grouping so those are in the 20 like more than 20 to 1 range for both of those that they at least seem a little intriguing to me because i think indiana could be pretty good like honestly 
I wouldn't be shocked if Indiana's third and the Bulls are fourth in that division. It, it would not wholly surprise me. No, it's I like the way you're thinking. I expect teams to, to play harder here. At the end of the day, these are games. I like the way they set it up. So a lot of them count, and they're still regular season games. And the better teams obviously will do better. But I wish you had this last year because the Kings, I would have loaded up on Sacramento Kings for that. They yeah. would have been a perfect pick. And I'm cool with taking them this year. I mean, that's one of those teams you look in division. They're still 10 to 1 to win that division. There's a lot of value on them. But I like that. Sacramento, I wonder if a team like Oklahoma City could compete in something like that. Again, a team that we saw last year play as hard as any team does night in night out have a ton of depth but again i like that overall strategy like i'm gonna cross off phoenix i'm gonna cross off the lakers and you know we'll see how much lebron cares you look at the other group uh, the nuggets they probably care Jokic just likes winning basketball games and that team yeah. probably chugs along so i'll stay out of that group a little bit as much as new orleans might interest me there again you look at group c i like the sacramento kings and oklahoma city there i think those are two teams that are going to be playing their very best Curious to see what Cleveland can do in that group with Philadelphia. But like you said, I like Indiana. I think that's a nice pick. Maybe even Atlanta as well. Um, I think those are kind of the teams. Again, Group B, you've got the Bucks, the Knicks. That group looked pretty solid to me. Maybe a little value on the Knicks. Again, a team that would be pushing. We know Thibodeau loves all that stuff, and that would be a great chance for them to have some reason to celebrate in New York City. And then that final group with Boston, Hard for me to pick a team other than Boston there. Maybe the Nets, curious to see what they look like. But I like all the names that you mentioned. I love that strategy. So, again, I'm curious to see. I'm going to wait. Uh, I'm not even 100% sure. I need to make sure that I understand what the exact <laughs> format is. I know they all play a bunch, and it ends up shaking up. But I'm excited. I think it's going to be really fun. I think the final four uh, games that they have, the semifinal and final in Vegas, are going to be great. So, they really did a good job here. I, I like the way that the NBA continues to be one of the few le- – major sports leagues, if not the only major sports league that's willing to try stuff, that's willing to change, that's trying to grow their game and look around the world and take ideas from other sports and see if it works. So it's going to be really fun. I think eventually we'll have a lot of great time betting on it, but like that strategy for now, but I'll wait. Noops, it's always fun. Follow him on Twitter at underscore noops, NBA and tennis analysts, especially now with like, what man, I'm, I'm interrupting you from Wimbledon probably. <laughs> and like, just so check out Noops' work on Twitter. Uh, whatever social media platform is a lot is working at the time. Who knows? Uh, bet us <laughs> as well. Hopefully uh, before the season starts and after we have Lillard and Harden trades, we'll be able to uh, do this again in, in some way, shape or form. Absolutely. Rick. I'm looking forward to coming back and checking in and hopefully listening to this first show and realizing how smart we were. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're pretty much just going to nail all these. All right. When we come back, going to, when we come back, you know what time it is. Jim Miller from Hawthorne Racecourse is going to come on. We're going to find out what's going on at Hawthorne. And he has some thoughts on the pennants and divisions in Major League Baseball as the second half starts. I'm Rick Camp here with you till the top of the hour when Inside the Clubhouse takes over on the score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoops. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Early Odds here on 670 The Score. I'm Rick Camp in for Joe Ostrowski. Joe should be back next week. You know what time it is. Every week on Early Odds, 
We talk with Jim Miller from Hawthorne Racecourse. Follow him on Twitter at Hawthorne Jim. Jim, it's been a minute, man. How are you? I'll tell you, Rick, things have been good. Yeah, it's one of those things. Apparently, Joe gets to take a summer vacation where we all have to work during the dog days of the baseball season. But I'll tell you, a little bit of a break for the All-Star game. So that was good. Now you kind of head to the second half, quote unquote, second half. They're a little bit past the halfway mark, which always seems weird for the All-Star game, not being right at the halfway mark. But division races are kind of separating themselves a little bit in some divisions. And others, Rick, I tend to wonder if the uh, trade deadline is something that could have an impact on some of these division races, too. So what are a couple divisions that you're looking at and could some of that impact that you're uh, that you're mentioning be centered around? Oh, I don't know whether it's players moving from the south side or a possible two way player moving out of L.A. And it's, it's both of those. And that's the thing that you really have to look at, because. When you look at the AL Central, and all season long, I've been trying to give hope to the White Sox, and they just keep beating you down and beating you down. But you look, right now, you have Cleveland as a 500 team. Yeah, Minnesota, a game below 500, and the Sox, all of a sudden, no matter how bad they've been, they're eight games back, and it's a dysfunctional team right now. But when you look at prices in that division, okay, the Sox are still the third choice at 25-1 to to win the division. And all it takes in a division like this, and we saw the Reds do it earlier on in the year, put together a nice extended win streak. And when you have a division where nobody's running away with it, that's something where the AL Central, it wouldn't surprise me if it tightens up. But again, it's all going to depend on what happens the next couple of weeks with the trade deadline in the AL Central. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting. And even especially with some of these long odds, and and it obviously depends on where you're looking, but like even just hey, this this number's this number's long. It's probably as long as it's going to be for a while. Maybe those cash out options pop up yep. to where then just make a little profit. That's that's all you're looking to do necessarily. Like that's that's something especially there. And you mentioned with the AL Central, is there any other division? I mean, obviously, like you have some divisions that are just done. Yeah, Atlanta's this, done, right? The, yeah, the, yeah. the NL East is over, so that one's done. A couple others that are intriguing. The NL Central intrigues me for this reason, Rick. I've talked throughout the course of the season that the Milwaukee Brewers, yes, they're up atop the division, and they're kind of having to battle with Cincinnati right now, but Milwaukee's also on the verge of some of their starting pitchers coming up for what could be big, massive contracts, and I don't think they're going to be able to sign all these guys. So the question then comes, when you reach the break, okay, even though you're in the lead or close, do you start talking about dealing some of these guys to get some value to rebuild there? So when you're looking at the NL Central, the thing that's the craziest when we hit the all-star break, all right, Milwaukee's atop the division with a minus 13 run differential. Cincinnati's right there. They're a minus nine. St. Louis is a minus 33. Then all of a sudden you look at the Cubs. The Cubs are a plus 26, all right? Yes, they're seven games out but they're also seven and a half to one to win the division. They're starting pitching a solid. Kyle Hendricks is coming back and pitching better. Seems like they're hitting starting to come around. I actually would not dismiss the Cubs still in the NL Central. I think that seven games could be made up only because of moves. Cincinnati can't stay as hot as they are, even though I love Ellie De La Cruz. I told Joe at 40 to one, bet Ellie De La Cruz to win the NL Rookie of the Year, and now he could with Corbin Carroll possibly facing some injury time. But Milwaukee has a lot of question marks here, and I think the Cubs are basically, I think they're going to stand pat and see what happens the second half. Look at you, Chicago optimist, Jim trying, Miller, I'm all trying. right? This is, I mean, this is a guy who we told everybody last year, bet the Bears to have the worst record in the uh, in the National Football League. At least we were right. But I'll tell you, I still have a little bit of baseball optimism. And mm-hmm. it's also too, Rick, because you look, a lot of these teams with these hot starts may not be able to, to sustain things. And you mentioned what could be a major movement. Now, you talk about the whole Shohei Otani deal. Okay, the Angels, they're out of it, I think, in the AL West, only because Texas is solid. But you not only have to leapfrog Texas, you have to leapfrog Houston. You have to leapfrog probably Seattle as well. And now you're dealing with Mike Trout being out. So if you want to get a maximum amount for Shohei Otani, this is the time to do it. So for those that are the smart betters out there, start watching the rumor mill. Start seeing who's possibly looking, who's talking in that, and say, okay, well, hey, I'm looking over, is the AL East, are the Yankees really in the running for Shohei? Well, if they are, they're 10-1 to 1 to win the division right now. Maybe mm-hmm. you look to a team like that. Look to the NL West. The Dodgers have faced their injury problems throughout the course of the year. All right, Arizona, they're standing pat. But then you have big spender like San Diego, who, again, has been a little bit of a struggle. But they're 34-1 to 1 to win the division. 
never know. Maybe they go in there because Shohei maybe wants to stay out there on the West Coast in Southern California. So there's some things where I think you can watch the rumor mill. And if you were right and you hit it before the trade deadline, you might be able to make a pretty big score there as well. Absolutely. That's one way that I know for me is specifically on the NBA side, I've been able to get little edges here and there is just paying attention to rumors, reading articles, listening to podcasts, that type of thing. You get an idea of even if not necessarily who someone is going to get, how active are they? Right. And that can even help dictate, uh, you know, what's going on with something like that. So I think that's really interesting as well. So even if we, if we go even further out pennant wise, what are you looking at now that we're at this point of the season? Obviously, with all those same caveats still there about what the deadline could be. And maybe for some of these teams that are even better in atop their division, the deadline matters more for this conversation with a higher goal. Well, and that's the thing about the pennant. And that's the thing that's really interesting, too, because, of course, Atlanta is going to take all that action. Tampa always seems to take action, but so does Houston, which is interesting. And it's surprising to me because in the AL West, I've been high on Texas all year long. And Texas, look at that division. You talk about a team that they're a plus 148 in run differential in a division that, yes, Houston's plus 49, Seattle's plus 36, the Angels are plus 9. Texas scores a lot of runs. They haven't missed Jacob deGrom, and that's one of the things that has shown, too. And this is a team that's still going to fly under the radar for the pennant because they're not the big-name team. They're not the team that's there each and every season, yet they're atop their division right now. They're standing in great shape, even if they don't win the division for a wild card. But Texas is the team that I would look to in the AL for a pennant play. And I've got more bets to make once we're done with this conversation. We're trying, my friend. And speaking of those bets, what is going on at Hawthorne Racecourse? I know like we, we're in the dog days in yep. terms of non-racing season, but racing season's here, man. Yeah, and I'll tell you, it's one of those things that things are kind of moving along a little bit. We're starting to get to that second half of the summer, so that means that Saratoga's open on the East Coast. Del Mar's open on the West Coast. Here at Hawthorne, we are kind of in the dog days that I meet in the middle of the summer, but we're racing Sunday, Wednesday, and Thursday each and every week. Hopefully Mother Nature's dumped enough rain on us for now that we can kind of put that behind us and get back on the turf course. But when we do get back on the turf course, we're going through that first week of September. So it'll be a lot of turf racing, a lot of big fields, a chance for everybody to come out, make some money. We saw Eddie Olchek hit huge in a betting contest that we had not too long ago. This is a guy that cashed for 60 plus thousand dollars and it was on an 80 to one shot so it shows it can happen and i think we're going to start to see some of those big prices over the last couple of months of the meet that's incredible follow him on twitter at hawthorne jim he's jim miller from hawthorne racecourse jim thank you so much it's great to get to talk to you again you gotta good luck rick let's make some money in the second half of the mlb season Thank you to everybody for listening today. Thank you to Jim Miller, Alex Christensen, a.k.a. Noops, and Connor Allen for coming on today. A lot of good betting conversation. Hopefully some actionable betting conversation for you as well. You can follow me on Twitter, threads, whatever social media you want, at Rick C. Camp. Uh, Inside the Clubhouse is coming up next. Joe should be back next week on Early Odds on 670 The Score. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.